This is the Shape America podcast, hosted by Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy, making 50 million strong by 2029. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Shape America podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Colin Brooks, and I'm joined here with Matt Pomeroy and Stephanie Sandino. And a lot of you had the opportunity to hear part one of our Building a Health and Physical Education Dynasty with Tim McCord, which uh, was an exciting podcast to be a a part of. And what we're going to do right now is we're just going to bring you back into that conversation that we had uh, with Tim. So I hope that you enjoy the second half. Uh, It was certainly awesome to have the opportunity to chat with him. Okay, so I feel like this excitement's just like building up. It's getting more and more interesting. Um, So how did the kids take all of this? Like, what was their reaction to all of this shift? I mean, it's exciting. You've got like technology and all of these new ideas, but they're also coming from that skill-based program. So there's also a shift in their mindset as well. So how, how was their reaction with all of this change? Uh, initially, we saw great uh, excitement from our, our students, but let, let, me, let me back up just a little bit. All the new things that we decided to do in our program in this movement towards physical fitness for a lifetime, we started at the middle school level. I guess the way, I, the way I'd like to, if I could draw a picture here or paint a picture for you, if you take a rope and, and it's a little bit of a stiff rope and you push down in the middle of the rope, the ends of the rope are going to come up and, and eventually meet to form a circle. We figured that if we led from the middle, the ends would follow. The high school and the elementary would follow. And that's how we went about building this. So our students at the middle school experienced everything first, all the, all the changes first. They were just unbelievable. Oh, my Lord. They, they just thought, this is great. This is wonderful. The excitement in part of the program dissipated, I think, pretty quickly Um, one, because they were typical middle school kids where they have to, um, you have to do new things with them constantly with, with middle school students. And that's all right. That's just, that's just the way it is. But the other thing that, that, uh, was, I, I guess, do people like going to the fitness center quite often? And we were taking our students to the fitness center two days per week and they got tired of it. And so, uh. We needed, to, we needed to introduce playing music, music that they liked. Uh, not music that I liked, certainly. But uh, we had to introduce music to, to make it so that it was more palatable. We allowed them to move from machine to machine instead of staying on one machine. Um, we purchased big screen TVs. So, and, and then we, in, we invested in some extra gaming. Uh, at that time, Dance Dance Revolution, things like that. Things that gave, gave them, still gave them a good workout and made it more fun. Um, Going towards the technology, we um, 
our, our kids did not mind the technology usage. Uh, they, they just became accustomed to it. We had a little bit of trouble with parents of athletes who said that their students were in such good physical condition that there was no way they could get into the target heart zone. And at first, the mistake we made as a department was that we became defensive. And we realized very quickly that was not the avenue we needed to take. We needed to become educators. And we needed to educate these parents as to, okay, for some students it takes a little bit longer to get into the target heart zone. And so once we became educators instead of being defensive, that helped our cause with that. And we had to educate the principals too, who were getting the initial phone calls from the parents wondering why we were requiring kids to get into a target heart zone. And so all that education really paid off uh, for us in the long, long run. But uh, at, at first, you know, there was huge excitement, and then it dissipated, and then it would go back up again. And then we, as we started to introduce new activities to our students, uh, they, they just, they really liked it. It just took a little while for that to happen. All right. So I want to just kind of jump back to that timeline, maybe just a little bit here. So you've, uh, you've gone to Naperville, you've came back, you started talking a lot and you've got your school, um, and, and all your department, um, kind of on the same page and started implementing a few things. Now, uh, how many other trips were back and forth to Naperville? And then let's get kind of the money into the situation as well. Like, um, how did we start building this and adding on maybe what were some more of those long-term kind of goals? So uh, I know you developed a pretty good relationship with Naperville. So uh, just wanted to see if you bounced back there a couple of times before you started to say, these are the things we're going to buy and, and this is what we need um, or what else happened. Um, the, the, the guys in Naperville, Phil and Paul, um, became very good friends of mine. That, that was one of the bonuses of, of this uh, initial trip to Naperville is that we became very good friends. Um, Phil would call me at least once a week, if not more than that, to talk about our progress and what we were doing and to give me ideas of things they were doing. I went to Naperville so often that uh, they would tease me about uh, renting an apartment out there. Um, I just considered them to be the model program. I had never seen anything like that. Um, so I went as much as possible. Um, in addition to Naperville, though, I started to attend the state-level uh, AFERD conventions, or Pennsylvania AFERD. I uh, began making presentations at our state-level convention. Uh, I found myself on uh, the PR committee for NASB. Uh, I was asked to be on that, and, and I served on that. Uh, I, I was not so much of an idea man as I was a, a uh, stealer of ideas. I would always, I always, always try to take everybody else's good ideas and bring them to Titusville. But uh, in addition to those things, um, one of the things I found out about Naperville was that once a year in, in late February, early March, I can't remember exactly when, uh, they host a, their physical education department between Naperville um, uh, Central and Naperville North high schools, they have two high schools there, um, they host a one-day physical education conference called the DuPage County Institute. And it might be one of the best one-day conferences I've ever been to in my entire life. I, I went every year for, for numerous years. And it was because of going there, I mean, we talk a little bit about professional development. That's where I, I, that's where I first met uh, Gene Blades Moyes. Um, 
I, I met Jeannie there. I met Dr. Kenneth Cooper there. Um, I met Mike Kuzala, who's the kinesthetic class. I, I met Mike there. And, and some names that people may not have heard of uh, because they would bring in names that physical educators didn't really know who they were. But if you took the time to go to their presentation, it was amazing. I, I mean, I met Dr. Tom House, who's a pretty world-renowned kinesiologist. Uh, he worked with major league baseball pitchers for a while. He's working with uh, quarterbacks now. But uh, I would get up early to work out in the fitness center there, and he would always be there. And he'd 45 minutes talking to this guy, plus going to a session at, at, at the DuPage County Institute was incredible. I met, I met a gentleman by the name of Dr. Michael Went, who I know that there can't be anybody that knows Dr. Michael Went. But at that time, and I, don't, I think he may be retired now, he was the superintendent of the Wilson, uh, Wilson New York uh, School District uh, up, up near Buffalo, New York. And he was running a program called Keep 57, K-E-E-P, Kids Early Exercise Program, five out of seven days a week. And he was using exercise to help students uh, with ADHD. Uh, and, and he, you know, he was very, very early on, he, he was a guy that, uh, instead of punishing kids uh, who, who suffered with ADHD, uh, instead of keeping them from recess, he knew that uh, having them exercise was beneficial to them and, and, and so Naperville became a, a huge part of, of what we were trying to do in Titusville and, and as I said I was there a lot. And just for everyone listening I mean I'm pretty close to Naperville but uh, the DuPage County Institute is still going on today so talk about you know that long-standing tradition of excellence they still bring in some pretty amazing people and I have not been there yet just because it's too close to my convention but uh, uh, pretty amazing and if you, if you can't hear it, Tim McCord is social media before social media was social media. I mean, like, listen to how many of these guys he knew, uh, he was chatting to and, and, you know, friends with. And, like, how cool are those connections that you made? Oh, I, I, I've just recently come upon Twitter and Facebook and all those things, just probably the last five years. And uh, having to teach myself how to, how to be involved with Twitter and uh, I can't imagine how many times people laugh at how I post things on Twitter, and, and if it's and I don't know whether it's done correctly or not. I just do it, and uh, I just I, I kind of creep along. I, actually, I creep upon a lot of other people, all, all you guys and uh, others that are in Shape America, just so I can learn new things. I mean, even though I no longer teach, I just feel like uh, it excites me to see the new things that are going on. Well, I think now may be a good time to kind of tr- like start talking about the funding. So let's let's talk about that. How did you? How did you make sure that this happened? How did you get you know so many people in your corner and and find the funding to to make this awesome program occur? Um, the first funding, uh, I I knew that our district. Uh, this is like getting in bed with the devil. Our district at that time was going to sign a contract with a soft drink company to bring bring soft drinks into the schools. Uh, this was right before all the laws changed about what you can do uh, with vending machines. But I made sure that I volunteered to be on that committee because I knew that whenever you signed a contract with a soft drink company, there was upfront money that would be as a part of that contract. And I wanted to make sure that that upfront money got put to good usage because most school districts in those days, when they would sign a contract with a soft drink company, they would put a new scoreboard in the gym for the basketball team or, or at the football field. And, and I did not want that to happen. So um, I convinced those that were on the uh, committee 
to take the upfront money, which was compared to other school districts that were doing that, we got very uh, minuscule amount of money. But uh, they agreed, and they they uh, our upfront money was twelve thousand dollars from the uh, soft drink company, and our school district agreed to match it. So we had twenty four thousand dollars to initiate the uh, purchase of fitness center equipment at the middle school, and uh, a class set of heart rate monitors and a class set of pedometers to start our program off. Uh, so that was how we got the initial uh, funding. Um, the next funding we got came from our local hospital because I had been working with them just to tell them what we were going to do and they gave us enough money to enable us to purchase some fitness assessment software so that we could track our kids as they were going through our program at that time it would have been from grades 6 through 12 well it would have been 6 through 8 but then we started to do things at the high school also um, so that, that was a nice small grant there the money that put us over the top um, that money came from uh, a grant program, a federal grant program at that time that was available called the Carol M. White Physical Education uh, Program Grants. Those were PEP grants. Uh, we got $342,000, and, and it was a one-year grant at that time. Um, that really enabled us to... Uh, to uh, implement a lot of new things into our program K through 12. Um, I can jump, kind of jump a little bit. One of the things that happened in my advocacy things is I, believe it or not, I guess this goes to show you never know where or when your advocacy is going to be needed. And one night I happened to be getting a haircut. And in the chair next to me was our congressman. Our, our uh, congressman, who, not, not state level, at the federal level, and he was on the Appropriations Committee. And I figured he had shears all around his head. He wasn't going anywhere. So I started to tell him about what we were doing. And he, he we invited him to see what, what was happening with our program. We, had, we were only in our first year. But uh, he came down, and he was very excited about what we were doing. So he, we kind of stayed in touch. And eventually, he helped us uh, with a federally funded project, um, uh, kind of a dirty word in government nowadays is earmarks. You don't hear about earmarks anymore because uh, they've just been eliminated. But he helped us to the tune of $192,000 after our pet, a few years after our PEP grant. So that, that was an, another thing. And, and then we continued to have uh, a, a, a small, a very minimal uh, physical education budget that we could use uh, for you know everyday types of items that, that we might need uh, you know or to help out with recess uh, with the, the regular uh, classroom teachers or things like that so um, I guess what I would say is you, you have to you have to look around uh, for, for grant money or to find uh, people who are willing to be supportive of your of your uh, project and your program and uh, and if you're it's a lot of work but if you can find those funds, um, do it. Just do it. So what were some other things that you utilized, like uh, some of those last couple grants with uh, PEP grant in general? And then, um, so what were some things that you brought into your program uh, that you just knew that needed to be there? Um, 
can you give us just a, at least a few ideas as, as some of those things that you brought in? Yeah, we, uh, well, we up, we upgraded all of our fitness equipment in our fitness centers because, uh, the, our initial funding basically put us to a point where we were buying equipment that was for lack of a better term, cheap. Um, and it, and it, with kids using that equipment on a daily basis, uh, you know, different classes using it, but uh, still the equipment was being used every day. It, it fell apart quickly. So we purchased all commercial grade equipment. That, that was one thing. We made sure that every teacher had a classroom set of heart rate monitors instead of having to trade off and beg and borrow that way. Um, we installed climbing walls in every one of our buildings. Uh, we have one in our kindergarten building. Our, our kindergarten our kindergarten pre-K building is separate from the rest of them. But we put uh, horizontal walls in our kindergarten building and in our two elementary schools. And then we put uh, vertical walls, top rope walls, in our, our middle school and our high school. Um, and, and then we just, you know, we bought some basic things. We bought um, more types of, of uh, weightlifting equipment. Uh, we, um, we, we had, we developed a separate cardio room. We kind of wanted to be more a little bit like Naperville. We, so we developed a separate cardio room there. Um, and then, and then in addition to the big items like that, we spent a lot of money on professional development so that I could take my staff to, to, uh, what was then the AFER convention. Uh, you know, I, I took staff members to, uh, to the national conventions. We sent people, uh, to Naperville. We sent people to, um, the state level AFER convention. Uh, so we, we socked a lot of money uh, into that. So after you've got all the equipment in place and the, the program's been running for you know a number of years, so what is, what's happening to the district? Is the district noticing a difference in anything um, that's happening you know, to the students or anything such as that? I'd say that one of the first mistakes we made was we did not collect baseline data on our equipment. We just didn't know any better. I mean, we started, we got excited, we just went into it. And so we went a, a few years before we realized, uh-oh, we need to be able to show that we're making a difference with our students. Um, so uh, we had seen some anecdotal evidence just just by the fact that our kids were willing to try things much more than they much easier than what they were uh, in my earlier years. Um, but but we decided we needed to start doing some data collection. So we did, and and over the years, what we did was we did a uh, when we went. When we started our kindergarten program, it was just one day per week. And then we increased that, and we increased it at the same time we used Jeannie Blades' uh, action-based learning lab. And what we found by looking there, there and the fact we brought Jeannie Blades to our school district, and she spoke to every teacher at, at one day of professional development. She, she spent the whole morning with the, with the entire teaching staff K-12. Um, to be quite honest, it was, it was outstanding, but we were ahead of our time. We, we got out over our skis. And so we had people that just didn't really want to listen. But those kindergarten teachers were a group that really did listen. And so at the same time of introducing the action-based learning lab and the teachers in their classrooms starting to use physical activity, we saw a market improvement in the areas for those kindergarten, kindergarten kids of, um, they test them in three areas, in writing, in language processing, and story retelling. And so we saw market improvements there. We then 
decided to do a study with our middle school kids. We have those, those kids grades six through eight. So we partnered with Slippery Rock University and the department chair down there is a good friend of mine. And we decided to do a three-year study with our middle school kids. And what we needed to do, at that time, we had also partnered with an advocacy organization called PE for Life, which is no longer in existence. But um, so we, we called our program a PE for Life program. And we needed to find a program near us that was still using the traditional model of teaching physical education and had similar demographics to us. And so we found that program and we, we uh, did a three-year study comparing what was going on in a traditional program as to our program, the PE for Life program. And what we found was that our students compared to the traditional program and also compared from first year to the last year when they finished up at eighth grade, that our students made great improvements in the areas of body mass index, cardiovascular fitness, muscular strength, muscular endurance. In addition, our students also showed that compared to when we looked at how much moderate to vigorous physical activity they got in a, in a typical class, in a 42-minute uh, physical education class, uh, as we know, the average is approximately 50% of the time they spend in moderate to vigorous physical activity in a, in a PE class. Our kids were getting almost 69% of the time in moderate to vigorous physical activity. So a lot of that had to do with classroom management, but at the same time, we were, we were, our kids were really moving when we had them in class. But the thing that I really like the most about the, the um, program that we were running is we did some surveys with our students. And when, they, when you look at from the beginning to the end and also compared to the traditional class, our, our kids reported that they were making better nutritional choices. And I take no credit for that, and our department takes no credit for that. So the Family Consumer Science Department did, did a lot with that because they were involved. Our students were more engaged in physical activity outside of school, not in the classroom, but outside of school, and that they enjoyed physical activity more. And, and as we all know, if, if a person enjoys physical activity, they're more likely to participate in that activity. And then finally at the high school, we decided we needed to do a study there. And we did a one-year study that we tried to replicate uh, in, in the Spark book, you read about Naperville doing the zero-hour PE program, which later became known as Learning Readiness PE. And so we replicated that program, and we got very similar results. And for those that don't know what that is, what we did was we took the, the, the Learning Readiness PE group of kids, had physical education class, and then followed the physical education class with math and language arts. The control group was... Math and language arts first, PE afterwards. And we got similar results that Naperville did, where our kids that were in the, the LRPE group with PE first and the, and the core subject areas afterwards, significant gains in math, especially math, significant gains in uh, lower discipline instances, uh, things like that. So that data did a lot to uh, help us remain with our standing with a good standing with our administrators so that they could see that we were making a difference with our kids. Uh, you mentioned Spark, so I've got to kind of go back to it. Um, I, and I, I think I'd mentioned earlier is just we were talking and I, I really feel like Spark could have been one of the biggest ad, ad, advocacy books wrote out, you know, for health and PE, um, you know, to this day. And um, 
and Tim, I mean, clearly I knew of you from this book, um, which, which of course really made me want to connect with you uh, and everything else, because I, I knew you've had these experiences. Um, and luckily I was able to reach out with you and, and, and talk about this stuff, but can you just tell us like, how did you get involved with, with Spark and um, how did you get, you know, your program and, and yourself kind of highlighted in that book? Uh, as I stated, I, ha I had a good friendship with uh, Phil Lawler and Paul Zantarski and, uh, Phil, being in a suburb of Chicago, uh, was very uh, media savvy. He made sure that people knew what was going on in his program. And uh, quite often when he was interviewed, he, he had read something about Dr. Rady. And Dr. Rady uses the quote that exercise acts like miracle grow to the brain. And Phil would use that quote constantly. Um, Dr. Rady's daughter saw an interview uh, of Phil, uh, I believe, on one of the news, uh, national news programs, and she contacted her father, and um, he, he, in turn, contacted Phil and wanted to come out and see the program and, and meet Phil. So Phil called me here in Titusville and said, in, in a, I don't remember exactly the time frame, but um, he said, Dr. Rady's going to be coming to Naperville, he said, would you like to come and be a part of our conversation? I said, certainly. I didn't even ask for time off. I just took personal days. I took two personal days, and and I went, and Phil Paul and myself uh, sat with Dr. Rady at a dinner, and he, he put a uh, tape recorder in the middle of the table, and for three hours, we sat and talked with Dr. Rady, explaining what our programs were about and what we were doing. And uh, fortunately for me, I had a rental car and Dr. Rady did not, and I became his chauffeur the next day so that he could see the programs, and it gave me an access to him to just chat and, and get to know him a little bit more. Um, and that, that was how the initial meeting with Dr. Rady occurred. It's pretty cool stuff. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing how those things work out. So, all right. Uh, I guess just kind of thinking, thinking about it like right now, um, as you have now built this pretty awesome program and, you know, I mean, I know that you still had, you had quite a few years there with that program and kind of utilizing everything you built. Um, what was your thought process? I know you've been retired now for a couple of years. So what was your thought process to say, you know, we've built this, you know, how, how are we going to keep it going and, and, and what's going to happen and how's the dynasty going to live on? So I guess just give us a few thoughts on that. Well, um, it's hard to step away because you know that uh, the, the next group of people or whomever is going to be in charge is going to have their own ideas. Uh, with that being said, you, you just have to trust the process that, the, that uh, you set up a pretty good foundation for what can happen in, in future years. Um, if the, the people that are in charge now decide to change things, that's fine. They're in charge now. They should have the right to do that. Uh, so I only go around when I'm asked, I, I try to stay out of their business. It's their business. Now it's, it's, it's program that belongs to the students of Titusville area school district and belongs to the physical educators that are there now. And, uh, I only offer advice when I'm asked. So once in a while I hear from the superintendent and, and she will ask uh, my opinion on certain things. Um, and in the meantime, I try to stay, uh, current. Uh, and by staying current, I can 
I do a pretty good job of emailing those that are still there and in charge, and, and that's the one way I stay in touch is I email them ideas. I don't often hear back from them, but uh, at least I know that they, the ideas have been sent to them, and what they decide to do with them is uh, it's, it's, it's their baby now, and so they have to, they have to run with the program. It's definitely just it's an awesome story. <laughs> it's really cool from the beginning to the end. It's it's great, and I think the the, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, we talk about it with with young pre-service teachers. Uh, we talk about it with young teachers, you know, about how to establish a program, about how to go through these steps, and and, and you did it, and you did it really well. And not only that, you do, you chose you were halfway through your career, but you know, and then you revamped it and you did something new so it's never too late to essentially change what you're doing and revamp and stay current so um, definitely an awesome story and we're thankful that, that you shared it with us so it's to kind of wrap it up uh, for everyone and Stephanie and Matt feel free to jump in here too if you have any questions here but like what would you if there was a new teacher out there a teacher that's been teaching for a while that's desiring to make huge impact what is what would be your your you know stairwell speech as we call it because we don't ride elevators right because we're we're physical educators so what would be your your stairwell speech to this this uh prospective physical education teacher well my first thing would be no matter what type of program you're going to develop be passionate about it teach with a passion um it just it's so important uh, that that your passion and the passion comes through to those students so that they know that you, you really care about what you're doing. Um, in addition, I would say seek out uh, professional development as much as possible. Uh, that, that, really, uh, that really helped us. I mean, just by, by, you know, by being able to uh, be connected to Naperville, and and then I I didn't even mention a couple of the other places, uh, you know, like Grundy Center, Iowa, uh, being uh, being a friend of Rick Shoebox, who, who's since retired out in, in Grundy Center, Iowa, they helped us so much with our elementary level program. So fi find some like-minded people who are passionate also to do that, because you don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't even mention that we Im we increased our class time at every single level during this transition and we got daily PE at the high school we got daily PE at the at the kindergarten level um, you know, and we did so many other things that we didn't even talk about here today uh, and then I guess the third thing I would say is be an advocate for what you're going to do you have to be willing to to spread the gospel of what you're doing everywhere um, at, as children, our parents bring us up to be humble and don't brag about your accomplishments. Well, if you're a physical educator, you better start bragging about the good things that you're doing because if you don't tell somebody what you're doing, nobody else is going to do it for you and nobody's going to pay attention to you. So, so I would say you've got to become your own advocate and don't be afraid to tell your story. De develop a 30-second elevator speech uh, you know when you first meet someone because you don't know who you're going to meet I, I can remember meeting a, a gentleman on my way to Kansas City and in, in talking about our program turned out that uh, he wrote a book and it included a little two-page story about how we were helping kids in our program you just don't know how it's gonna go so so constant advocacy is critical
All right. Um, well, I just want to just step in and say, I don't, Tim, it's just, it's been great to get to know you. Um, you are truly an amazing gentleman. Um, and I just appreciate all that you have done really for our profession. Again, uh, you were some major change agents that really changed what we're doing um, and what we continue to do. Uh, first off, I guess I just want to highlight the fact that, as Colin just kind of did too, that you were willing to change. And, you know, it took one conference, one convention, and, you know, you took a big step. And, um, you know, I love how you went from having no computers, no, not much email, you know, you just get a phone call. Um, to where you are today, you know, you're on social media, you're still connected to the profession. Uh, you're sitting down in a podcast sharing information with us. Like it's, it's unreal. And I just, I just appreciate again, all that you've done and all that you can c continue to do. And uh, I just thank you again for that relationship and you being able to share your story right here with us and with everyone who's listening today. So thank you. Well, as I said, it's my pleasure to do this, and it's quite an honor. And I and if I've helped one uh, person, one fiscal educator, health educator that uh, listens to this, then it was well worth it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for paving the way, and um, you know, really starting that change, as Matt and Colin were saying, and um, really spotlighting professional development because I feel like that was a game changer for you, and. It just started with, hey, we should change your program. All right, let's go to this convention, and boom. It just spread like wildfire, and, and that's awesome. I'm, I'm a huge um, advocate for professional development. I love it, and it's so important for us health and physical educators to be you know, lifelong learners and just keep up with everything. So thank you for highlighting that. And it's it's been amazing talking to you today. The story has been literally like, I'm at the edge of my seat. I was the entire time, I just loved every second of it. And, you know, we appreciate your time here with us and very grateful to have you on the show. I mean, I, I guess I just want to say, um, you know, this is the first episode of, you know, building that HP dynasty. And clearly Tim, uh, had a huge vision for it uh, along with Phil and along with Paul. And we appreciate that vision and that thought process of, you know, creating that uh, high quality health and physical education program. And uh, again, this is just the start of a series, but uh, you know, if you're sitting out there and you're listening and tuning in and think, you know, you've built, you know, a, a health and physical education dynasty that needs to be showcased on this show. Uh, make sure you get a hold of us. Uh, you know, you can always send us an email at podcast at shapeamerica.org. And, you know, we'd love to highlight what you're doing and looking to share more of these stories again, just because uh, it can showcase m many years of that professional development, that p professional growth, that advocacy. And uh, we need to hear these stories, don't we? Most definitely. So yeah, everyone, thanks for joining us today for uh, this this first episode of the, the HPE dynasties. Um, and it was great having Tim and uh, yeah, just stay tuned for more of these kind of stories and uh, we're glad you could join us. All right. Signing off for the Shape America podcast. See ya.